You're listening to a SPIN podcast. We're interested in investigating the interconnections between secrecy, power, and ignorance that shape our world today. Um, and um, welcome to this SPIN podcast. I'm joined today by Tim Duro, who's just joined us at the University of Bristol as a new PhD student and uh, connected to SPIN. Um, so um, enormous excitement and pleasure to have you um, uh, starting your PhD with us because your project has at its heart some secrecy stuff. So tell us a little bit about what your project is about. Yeah, certainly. Thank you, Elspeth. So I'm... Um interested in state resistant spaces and organized hiding and I'm particularly interested in tunnels bunkers and basements and I'm interested in the communities of people that uh, construct these spaces and occupy these spaces um, through an act of resistance and it is this resistance um, which manifests itself as uh, as secrecy um, so I'm interested in why people um, hide and how they hide uh, um, as as a form of um, a particular form of resistance. So I, I'm and I'm super excited about your project because I think sometimes a lot of the conversations we have about secrecy it are about the powerful uses of secrecy. And so for me, the exciting um, it's exciting to get going into a little bit more about how secrecy is a resistant practice and a strategy as well. And that's really fun. But but it, but it's more than that because there's these objects or these spaces that you're going to be. So why why tunnels and why bunkers and what what do you what kind of examples are you thinking of when you when you've been thinking about this project? Yeah, sure. So initially, I mean, tunnels and bunkers and basements are, are, are so interesting because we know so very little about them. Um, a lot of what we do know about them comes from. Uh, popular media and certainly uh, government narratives when uh, a tunnel is uncovered, for instance. And so I'm thinking of tunnels uh, under the US-Mexican border, as an example, but also uh, tunnels into the Gaza Strip um, uh, as, as well. And what's so interesting about them is that uh, uh, when they get uncovered uh, by security state agents, uh, for, for example, um, they're sort of constructed, there's a narrative that around them as being somehow mysterious or somehow sinister or somehow uh, linked to uh, people who wish to undermine the state. And, um, uh, and so there's not much understanding other than what um, state agents w- want us to think of them as being security threats, for example. Uh, but I think there's so much more to them than that. There, there has to be much more uh, to them than that. So, so how, where did you, because you came to me with this project. So where did that project idea come from? So I had been reading James C. Scott and I uh, was very interested in anarchist theory. And I was quite interested in the work that he did um, looking at communities in Southeast Asia. And uh, so he, re- he wrote this great book um, called The Art of Not Being Governed. And he was interested in people who live at certain altitudes, communities of people um, in the hills and the mountains of Vietnam and uh, Laos and, uh, and, and southern China, for instance. And these people choose to remain 
hidden and out of the reach of the state. And he describes them as being people, as being beyond the pale. And this, I was fascinated about these, uh, these communities of people and, and what would compel them to, to hide and how they go about hiding. Um, but then I started thinking about, uh, well, these, these are people to, who want to stay out of the reach of the state. So what about people that, that exist within the confines, the geographical boundaries of the state? There must also be people that um, live within uh, the confines of, of uh, a state arrangement, um, but choose to exist beyond the pale as well. So I started thinking about communities of people that remain hidden. And I, I guess also I was um, inspired by a great film um, called Dark Days, which was looking at people who lived in tunnels uh, under New York. And the, the filmmaker gave a lot of sort of power and autonomy and voice to, to these people that, um, that live within the shadows. And uh, I, was, I was thinking, hoping that, you know, is there, is there something worthwhile looking at um, communities today? And and how those communities are, have their own economies, how those communities conceive of themselves. It's it's a really exciting, a really exciting um, subject matter to sort of think about. But so in addition to to embarking on this um, uh, thematic research project, you're you're also for the first time embarking on this PhD process. So how does that feel at the moment? It feels. Um well, initially very exciting. Uh, I've been waiting most of my adult life to begin a PhD. And uh, so I've, it's, I've come to it in a roundabout sort of way. Um, at, at the moment, it feels like a series of false starts um, because I uh, there's compulsory units that I have to do. Um, so I'm, I'm quite keen to, to, to get going. Um, uh, so it... it um, uh, with my own reading, but I have to balance it uh, with being a little bit more organised and a little bit more structured and thinking about uh, how I um, design a research project and, and so forth. Um, uh, so I want to balance my urge to get stuck in with my need to be organised and regimented as well. And measured because, you know, I mean, most PhD pro- um, projects or um, programs have this mandatory uh um, courses of or course. units that you yeah. have to take, but um, it, you know it's part of um, the the process of a PhD is part of embedding you within a community and a community of practice around knowledge making and stuff, and and also about understanding how your your work situates within a broader conversation across a whole spectrum of uh, of, of work. Um, but yeah, no, I can understand how <laughs> it feels like a, a false start, but um, but. At, but in terms of the actual digging into the project, what do you think are the big challenges now once you've perhaps got those mandatory units? Have you, have you got some anticipated challenges yet? Or Yeah, so because these people who construct these communities and construct these spaces um, desire to remain hidden, the biggest challenge is, um, uh, is, is, is finding, a, a finding people or finding space which is uh, accessible, finding a data set, um, for instance, uh, constructing a data set which is um, accessible and, uh, and, uh, and trying to do it in such a way that is, is interesting, uh, but also ethically sound and, uh, uh, and also rich um, of, 
uh, something that can inform uh, the, my decisions as I go forward. And and actually, you saying that makes me think that there are these two issues that may we may not end up engaging on this when we, when we talk about your project, but but we might. Um, the question of trust between a researcher and um, the environment that they're researching or the subjects that they're working with, um, or the question of trust when for any community, for someone who comes as an outsider, and then the ethics of revelation. So we, we had Brian Rappert come and uh, talk to us a couple of weeks ago, or a couple of podcasts ago, um, and, and Brian's really interested in, in the politics of the act of revelation. And so as a, as a researcher, um, what, what does it mean to try and engage with a research topic um, with a community that itself might either be danger, placed in danger by a revelation or um, may just see a revelation as something um, to, to, to be a bit wary of? Anyways, I think the politics of revelation and knowledge making in that sense is perhaps something we could talk a bit more about as we go forward. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that I'm very conscious of. If I'm uh, studying why and how people hide, who is that going to benefit? Um, it, does it just benefit my intellectual curiosity? And uh, what could happen to the information that I uncover? Who is that going to benefit? So it's something that is constantly in the back of my mind. And if I'm trying to, as the anarchist tradition uh, sort of begs of me, which is to give voice and empowerment and subjectivity to powerless people. Um, uh, how am I able to do that and balance that um, with my intellectual curiosity? And and so then, um, sort of final question, um, what are your plans then for the project as you're starting out over the next sort of three months? Bearing in mind, you've okay, you've got your units or your mandatory courses you've got to address, but just what do you think now is your first set of steps that you want to take as you go forward, like as as someone just embarking on this? So there's probably two uh, fields that I'm going to embark on. Um, one of the uh, fields is the literature. Where does, where does the conversation lie, which I think you've um, described to me. And um, so I'm, I'm particularly interested in visual sociology and how um, hidden spaces are, are, are represented visually. Um, and then the second is uh, trying to find people who may be linked to these hidden spaces who will be willing to talk to me, um, whether they're agents of state who are responsible for um, guarding or uncovering these spaces, um, or even hopefully uh, finding people who uh, sort of are motivated to remain hidden and, um, and what that motivation might be. So uh, identifying a gatekeeper and um, who, who may have access to communities of people who would be willing to talk to me would be the second. And I think those gate, like identifying the gatekeeper is often one of the biggest hurdles. And we perhaps underestimate that sometimes. I was talking to some photographers and it's the same problem in that, in that um, field as well. Um, anyways, I'm super excited, as you can probably tell from my voice, <laughs> about this project. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to periodically check in with Tim um, as he progresses through his project, see how it evolves as a, a kind of um, documenting this experience. And I think that'll be lots of fun to keep um, talking about it. Anyway, thank you so much, Tim. Thanks, Elspeth. Uh, it's hopefully going to continue to be fun as well. You've been listening to a Spin podcast. For more episodes, please check out our website, secrecyresearch.com, or find us on iTunes. 